Okay, here we go. Nice and quiet. Sound speeds, camera rolling. Holding for sound. Last looks. Calling for last looks. And set and action. I need to swap batteries. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast about the everyday struggles of the independent filmmaker. I am Liz Manichel and... I am Mark Purcell. <laughs> I didn't even do a funny voice. It's so amazing. Uh, this week, we have amazing filmmaker Jonathan Kiefer on the show to talk to us about the feature he wrote, Around the Sun. But I love the, the feeling of being in production with people. Like I was saying before, you know, I like writing by myself, but then, you know, I've... I've have many years and other scripts that are just sort of sitting there on my hard drive and they don't exist as movies. And that's, that's okay. It's good practice. You learn things, but um, nothing beats the experience of being, you know, with a group of people, ideally a small group, I think, where you're all really working on it together and um, you can sort of share the pride of, of making stuff. That, that um, is what I yearn for. We also talked to him about writing, directing, the collaborations between writers and directors, and how to get our projects up the ground. But first, Ulrich, you've got mail. My breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got mail. This week, we have a question from a brand new listener, uh, Rob O'Reilly, who says he just started listening to the show. I'm going to read his whole email just for fun. Um, he says... I just discovered your show and really enjoying it so far. I'm a comedy writer from the stand-up and sketch world, and I'm about to produce, direct a movie for the first time. And I was hoping you could point out the top five get past guests pods for someone in my shoes to start with. Um, I answered this question via email with my own little list, but I think we should just do our list now live. So like, you know, if you've never heard this freaking show before, we're 200, episode 280 or whatever the hell this is, like, wh what should you listen to if you're only hearing this for the very first time? So, Liz, since I've been doing the show for five years, like, what do you think? What are your favorite episodes of the podcast? I was looking at the list, right? And I was just thinking, like, who did I? It wasn't even, like, did the conversations that I enjoyed <laughs> the most, but it was, um, like, what shows did I think came out the most entertaining for a listener, right? So I hope this doesn't reflect on, reflect poorly on other conversations that we enjoyed oh so much. I just think these shows ended up as the best shows. I remember both of us, like after we talked to Mel Grisada, the director of The Other Lamb, we like texted each other. We're like, that was awesome. Like we were yeah. just like on a high. So, I mean, that was probably one of my favorite shows we've ever done. And I think the episode came out well. Yeah. Talking to Terrilyn Shropshire, was just amazing she's so wonderful yeah <laughs> so wonderful. editor of the old guard netflix yes. film starring charlie theron which is like a crazy movie um yeah that was a good one and then i have like three speed of life related podcasts that i enjoyed <laughs> listening to so i'm gonna definitely plug those so talking to julia swain talking to josie schrodek slash josie azam because her editorial credited name is josie azam and then i'm um, talking to the speed of life producers and then i just truly enjoyed talking to kestrin pantera because i thought not only is she the most charming personality but i i felt like uh she was similar to us, like in terms of the frame of mind, how we see the world. And she just like has this chutzpah that was very invigorating. So um, those are my favorite episodes to listen to and participate in. 
But yeah. now I've insulted other episodes. Those are just some <laughs> of the episodes I like. Well, what about you? So the Kestrin one, I want to just talk about really quickly because it is like this episode that like perfectly outlines like the step from being like where we're at as indie filmmakers with like, you know, like some accolades, but not so many, whatever, to going to like, you know, going to South Suits. by Southwest, yeah. getting an agent and a manager, and then being along on your journey as a successful professional filmmaker. You know, it's like, it kind of outlines exactly how that could happen and like how to navigate it. And then how it isn't this like perfect thing that's easy and great that it is like an emotional journey. And, you know, like even when she's at South by Southwest, like she wasn't even like getting all that attention right away. And it was only kind of like after that it kind of worked out. And so it's, it's just, it was a really great episode. Um, But to get to my favorites, uh, I have to talk about Justin Krizel, uh, director of, um, you know, the true uh, story of the, of the Kelly gang, yeah. true story, true history of the Kelly gang, I think is what it's called, but starring Russell Crowe, um, Nicholas Holt, and a bunch of other amazing actors. And like, I really like that movie and just talking to him was amazing. I mean, also Justin Krizel's directed other films um, such as Assassin's Creed, video game adaptation uh which uh you know got panned but like made a lot of money so it kind of it's really interesting to hear him talk about it briefly because it's like this thing where it's like oh my gosh like it totally sucks because this movie didn't come out the way that it, it could have but then again it did this for my career and it's allowed me to continue to do other projects so it's kind of it was really interesting to hear that stuff um mel gorzada shomoska who we just talked about oh my god oh my god dude i want her to be my mentor like yes (laughs) like she's incredible like i feel like if i had her like as my directing mentor like i would be so much like further along in in my journey as an artist i mean geez she's amazing my favorite part of that episode was when she just like she's like oh yeah i just told the actor that i didn't like it and then that's that was my feedback like the way she just like just is honest and transparent and like is not afraid to um to have honest conversations on set like I've never heard a director tell an an actress or an actor like that they didn't like something and she did it and she's charming and if so if she told me she didn't like something I'd be like thank you Malgo like (laughs) I love hearing (laughs) you talk and I love everything you have to say the thing that she says about like the truth like looking for truth in the monitor and it's like either it's there it's not and like oh maybe they just have to close their mouth or like keep their eyes like open a certain way and there's the truth is, and like, it's like, oh, you don't, don't worry about why I'm asking you to do this. Just do this. Trust me. It's going to be great. It's like that kind of direction. I mean, I wish I was at that level where I could just be so like, you know, straight with my just actors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe one day I'll be there. Um, and, and, but I guess also it's like the trust, they have to trust you in order for you to do that. And I mean, obviously she's made so many movies and, you know, has so, so much acclaim that like, obviously any actor working with her is just going to trust her, you know, and also just because of the person she is, I'm sure you meet her in person and you're like, Oh my God, whatever you say. <laughs> um, and then Jared Hess, director of Napoleon Dynamite. We had him on for our hundredth episode back when um, Timothy Plain was the co-host. And that was just an incredible conversation and kind of like, you know, in some ways affirmed my suspicions of a director at that level. And then in other ways kind of blew up like what my assumptions were, you know, like he talked about after Napoleon Dynamite, like he didn't have to do anything. Like he didn't have to move to Los Angeles. He didn't have to conform. Like he got to keep his life uh, in Utah the way that he wanted it. And then he's just lived there forever and he's never 
had to go to LA and he's had, you know, a very successful career as a director. But again, that probably only happens if you have a hit like Napoleon Dynamite, right? It's like the example that everyone brings up and will bring up forever is Napoleon Dynamite, right? It's like that surprise Sundance hit film that that right. just kind of like came out of nowhere. And then it kind of sounds like on based from time to him, it's like those circumstances like are not repeatable. Like yeah. you can't do that again. Like that only happened because of that time, that movie, that year, you know, it's not like a thing that's going to happen again. So, you know, I just think it was a really interesting conversation. It's a really great learning piece, I think. Um, and obviously he was just a lot of fun. He does voices. He's, he's a comedy <laughs> guy. He's, he's just a fun guy to talk to. So that's a good one. Also, um, Tara Lynn Shropshire, I have to say again, amazing. Oh my yeah. God, dude. And I'm trying to figure out why I loved her so much. And it's like with Malgo, it's like just the personality, just the aura around the everything they're saying. It's like uh, relatable, inspiring, and clear, right? She answered every yeah. question clearly where you can understand the whole arc of what she was trying to say. And so, and Malgo as well. And she's like, you know, a Hollywood studio editor, you know, she's in the system. She's like, you know, in this world. And it was just so interesting to, to hear her talk about her career and how it's gone for her uh, from her perspective because I think looking from the outside looking in you're like oh my gosh you're just like at the top level like you're at this thing you're on on you're you know you're on the top but then hearing the way that she approaches each project and the way that she navigates her career it's it kind of sounds similar to the way that you would at, at, at the indie level or any other level you know um so it was just it was just a fast fascinating conversation um, Hilton Day, the first assistant director on um, most of my projects, um, including my first feature, The Alternate. Um, that was an incredible conversation. I think that wasn't with you, right? That was Timothy. No. Yeah. Right? I'm like, I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard yeah. the Jared Hess one or the Hilton Day one. So that one is amazing because, um, he, you know, he talks about like starting as a PA and then like you know, he, he worked out of the San Francisco market and basically any big budget Hollywood movie that shot in San Francisco, he was on. And then he was the second sister director on um, Sorry to Bother You, the first assistant director on uh, Last uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, and he's had three movies uh, that he's worked on get into Sundance every year. First, it was Sorry to Bother You, then it was Last Black Man, and then it was Big Bear, which um, is coming out soon. And now, hopefully, it's the alternate will be the fourth. And so every year, I'll have a movie that has been in Sundance. So I'm really hoping that I can take the Hilton Day luck <laughs> across <laughs> to my own movie. But um, That's what he offers, right? He says, uh, I'll be your AD and I'll get you into Sundance. Exactly. That's, That's the, part the of the contract. Right? Yeah. No, but I mean, it's just an amazing story about like hustling and like, you know, getting yourself onto set, what it's like to be on set and like what it takes to be on set. And just sort of like a lot about the assistant director department and like what that, how that works and how it goes. And it's just a fantastic converse, conversation. And then lastly, uh, we did these series of episodes like back, I don't know, God knows when, probably like uh, episodes 150, 160, somewhere around there, maybe even earlier, all about AFM. Cause I went to AFM uh, trying to pitch my movie, The Alternate years ago. And I basically broke down exactly how it worked out, like what it was like my experience and then if I would go again as a director and a writer or if it's like no that's not a place for directors or writers to go and so I think those episodes I think there's two of them they were really just really good to like kind of break down 
what it is. Cause like before going to AFM, I barely knew what it was. And there wasn't really that much information about what it actually is like online. It was sort of like, oh, here's what it is. Here's the purpose. Oh yeah, go pitch your projects. Oh yeah, you can sell your movie. But it's like, no, that's not really, that's not really the reality, you know? And so, yeah, I think if you're considering AFM as a place to go with your project, like that, those episodes will help to like, you know, you know, clear it up. Basically. It's super smart because it's like, yeah, it's in Santa Monica, right? So it's, if you don't live in LA, you have to really make a financial investment to decide whether to come to AFM and right. it kind of gets treated as this, like you must go to event, but it sounds like that you're way more honest about what the value of it is or can be. Right. So yeah, I think those are, that's a good like little overview of, of like episodes of the podcast. I feel really bad because, you know, we've had like hundreds of hundreds of guests and you know there's so many great episodes uh, of the show that i would love to champion but you know it's honestly hard to remember some of them because there's been so many you know and then on the other hand it's just like you can't you can't talk about all of them i'll have to go through the show at some point and like make like a top 10 list or something you know that encompasses every single episode so like new listeners can can uh or we could do a poll i i know i keep talking about polls and i never create them but like we could pull (laughs) everyone and be like vote for your favorite episode and we can make them based off of what what people like i think that's a great idea i'll I'll put together that poll (laughs) okay nice now you're a freelancer you have time right (laughs) sometimes i do i do actually so if you want to be like rob o'reilly who wrote into the show to ask us about uh our favorite episodes for him uh, and you want to send us a question, comment, or suggestion, you can do that and do that to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you like this show, you can leave us a review on iTunes or any of the places you can leave reviews for podcasts. We also have a Patreon page. Ulrich, if they want to support the podcast, what should people do? They should go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash MMIH podcast. And you can give us a dollar a month. You can give us $5 a month. Or if you want one of our, you know, dwindling amount of pins that we have, uh, you can give $9 even just for one month. And we'll send you an awesome Making Movies is Hard pin, which is like the coolest pin ever. Like, oh my, I mean, I actually gave a couple of my pins to my family members and now I can't get them back. And so I probably need to get more pins from you. Note to self, send Ulrich more pins. And I also wanted to thank um, our newest Patreon uh, supporter, Lionel Khan, who is a longtime listener of the show, a friend of the show, uh, you know, and just a really wonderful person. Um, and so thank you so much for, uh, you know, supporting us. And he's also a filmmaker, too. He's working on his uh, first feature. Um, so, yeah, Lionel, you rock. Thank you, thank you very Lionel. much. Um, and then lastly, make sure to check out our Instagram page, which, um, is still getting posts, maybe less posts than it was a couple weeks ago, but still having action on it. Um, and then we do have uh, a new YouTube page, uh, which you can find in the bio on our Instagram page and you should go over there and you can watch us talking right now. Like you can see the hand gestures and the movements that are happening on camera for both of us. Um, so yeah, check it out. We we're, we're growing, you know, we have 125 subscribers as of now, hopefully we can get to 200 in the next, yeah. I don't know, a couple months maybe. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really trying to build up the YouTube page and like get it to the point where, you know, we do have like a thousand subscribers or something, but I mean, you know, we just need to post more videos and we're posting one every week now, which is great. So, um, check out, check that out. And then, yeah anything else that we want to talk about 
Oh, well, um, we had a request for stickers and I'm looking ah. into it and I'm going to touch base with our amazing graphic designer, Lucas Colshaw, to see if he's kosher with us making stickers out of his amazing logo. Um, but I think we're going to make those available on Patreon as well. Ooh. So um, I haven't talked to Alric about this, but Alric, does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. What's the price okay. point that you want to put them at? Are you going to say $3, $4? I was thinking five. I was thinking Ooh, five, five. So then we have... Yeah to incentivize the $5 level. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, I can't wait to see these stickers. I'm sure Lucas is gonna want, he, he's really proud of his logo and he's really excited that we love it so much. And so I'm sure he's gonna be okay with stickers and maybe t-shirts, maybe. In <laughs> we'll see, not right now, maybe later. I think uh, without any more jibber jabbing, we should get to our conversation with uh, Jonathan Kiefer. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're so glad to have you. Um, Thank you. I'm delighted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We start off a little differently. We do five questions uh, in the beginning, rapid fire style. And so this will be all about around the sun. Right. Let's see if I can handle these questions. Yeah. Oh, you, you can handle them, I think. How many days did you shoot the film? I believe we had a 16-day shoot, if I recall correctly. What was the budget? The budget, uh, I'm authorized to say, was somewhere between... Uh, 100K and infinity. <laughs> cool. On the lower end of that, that spectrum. Lower end of infinity, got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. How long did you work on the film from inception to being released? From inception, from the Christopher Nolan film of that name. It was, <laughs> exactly. uh, it was strange, actually. I watched that movie and then Leo DiCaprio appeared in my dream and then suddenly I had this idea. No, it was, um, it's funny how, depends where you start counting because uh, Oliver, the director and I have known each other for a long time, decades now. And we met in film school uh, at Boston University way back when, and I acted in his thesis film. And that was, you know, in the previous millennium. Um, and we finally eventually got back in touch and uh, for a couple of years had been talking about working on a feature together because neither of us had done it. And it sort of came to pass that uh, the idea was for me to write something and he would direct it. We tried another project for which we developed a script um, that I still have, but we didn't, it was too ambitious, I think, for first timers. Um, so that kind of got shelved. And then um, eventually Around the Sun came to pass when we both of us just got restless. And I was like, all right, let's just do something that we can really do. Um, and, you know, eventually we sort of got the momentum going for that. And it was about three weeks to write the script from when the idea was figured out. Um, and then four years <laughs> from uh, when that happened until right now, which is when it's, you know, being released. That's not a very short answer. Sorry. Did you do a lot of rewrites along those four years? No, I mean, most of that time, uh, I guess, fortunately, I'm not sure, is, um, is really more about, um, you know, going from having a script to getting it shot and then doing post and then right. finally sort of going, getting it into festivals and then going through the festival cycle and now getting to the release phase. Um, yeah, I mean this, you know, we sort of batted around uh, a few ideas because we had the location and it was sort of reverse engineered to go with the place that we had access to. Mm. Um, and we had a few, I sort of came up with a, a dozen or so movie ideas and said, do any of these strike your fancy? And uh, he said, you know, this one might be good. This one might be challenging. We're trying to do this micro budget thing. So this might be off the table. Um, and eventually the the place, the chateau that we had access to um, actually is the place where Fontenelle wrote and set the book that is referenced in the movie. 
And uh -huh. I discovered that fact. And being sort of like a sci-fi astronomy geek from you know way back when, that kind of really caught my imagination. And I was like, let's do this. Let's turn this into a movie. And I think Oliver wasn't sure about it. And I was like, no, 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 just let me write a draft and I'll show you the script. And so it was kind of a risk. Um, but then, yeah, that's what we went with because it was the most sort of peculiar and unique and seemingly achievable on a small end of our budget scale. Well, two quick questions and then we'll get into it. Um, yeah. How big was your crew? Yeah, we had, um, right, what, 16? No, 13 people, 13 or 14 people, yeah. Awesome. Small crew, very intimate group, and uh, and I miss them and I love them, yeah. And then out of all your projects, how difficult was this one? It's a weird question to answer because uh, on the one hand, you know, it was designed to be as simple as possible and it, and it was, it came from the frustration of other projects not being possible. Um, but then of course, yeah, like I said, you know, even something that was so quickly written took a long time to realize. Um, so, I mean, on some levels it's the easiest because it's the only feature that, you know, I've made really. Um, and, uh, you know, there are others that haven't been made. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was also, also very challenging in a lot of different ways as, uh, as most are, I'm sure. Let's take a step back um, just because, again, I haven't seen the movie as per usual on The Lazy One, uh, but when I've seen the materials and I've talked to you about it, I framed it in my mind as like before sunrise in the UK. Like that's yeah, just yeah, what yeah. it is in my mind. Um, or in Europe. I actually don't even know if it's in the UK, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's in France, um, yeah. Okay, so there we go. So but the actors are, are English, so yeah. Before Sunrise with English accents, yeah. Exactly. So then and then you just refer to your love of um, astronomy and science fiction. So you can you bring us, I mean, yeah. we don't normally do this. We don't usually ask for a synopsis, but this is such an unusual film. Can you talk just like briefly about the blending of genres, I think, that uh, was that that was undertaken with this film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and I appreciate that. It's, you know, it is kind of hard to, to synopsize it, which is strange because it really is basically just two people talking for the length of a movie in essentially one location, although they can move around. Um, yeah, it's about, uh, well, uh, you know, the premise is that uh, a guy comes to check out this chateau in Normandy and he's a location scout for a film production that might be happening there. And the woman who shows him the place um, is delighted to tell him about the sort of history of this particular place at which was written this book called Conversations on the Plurality of Worlds in 1686 by Bernard de Fontenelle, which was a real book. And uh, it was one of the first sort of popular science texts um, that involved, that was written as basically a dialogue between a man and a woman that's very flirty. And they kind of spend uh, several nights going out in the gardens and talking about how the cosmos works. And this is one of the first oh, books wow. to kind of popularize the idea that in fact, uh, the earth goes around the sun and not the other way around, which was still kind of a new and radical concept at the time that it was written. Um, so the place that we, you know, made the movie is, uh, is where that book was written and set. And so I you know, thought that's fascinating and I decided to weave that into the story. And there are some parallels between the way the book uh, unfolds and the way the movie unfolds. And I don't know if that explains it, but yeah, just you know, the, all the other ideas that, that I had for, you know, how could you do a movie with the minimum possible uh, locations and characters that could be set in a beautiful chateau in France were kind of conventional, you know, like we're like, oh, we could do a World War II thing where it's people hiding out from the Nazis or, you know, we could do a horror thing or something. And I, it was hard to sort of get my head around that in a way that could really be fresh or at least kind of unique to us. And um, 
Yeah, but the thing about Fontanelle and his book just really was, it's a beautiful book. I mean, it's really, it seems very contemporary. It's very flirty and um, engaging. And if you like sciencey stuff and astronomy stuff, um, yeah, it's like candy. So I, uh, I, yeah, couldn't get that out of my head. And I was like, let's make a movie about this. And at the time it was like, Oliver, you know, we're nobody's, nobody's ever going to see the damn thing anyway. Let's just get something made. And, you know, he bought it. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad that that happened. So, so without like ruining any spoilers or anything, I mean, would you call this an adaptation of the book? Because having seen I, it, you yeah. know, it's kind of, it's, I wouldn't, I haven't read the book, obviously, but like just yeah. from your brief explanation of the book, it almost feels like it could be an adaptation. Yeah, right. it's in a weird sort of category where I, we, I've described it as inspired by the book because there, right. there's a section in there which um, I think paraphrases and quotes from the book a little bit directly. And, the, you know, she, the woman shows the guy around the house and she talks a lot about the book. She's like a super fan of this book. And, um, and that's kind of part of the, you know, what uh, they flirt about, which is uh, totally nerdy. <laughs> but I, I love that. Um, the, um, yeah, so, the, but otherwise, you know, it's sort of, um, yeah, it goes in its own territory. And I mean, it's obviously, it wouldn't exist without the book, but it's not directly an adaptation. Um, so yeah, very kind of experimental in that way. And, um, you know, we'll see what, how people like it if they do. What I love is that like most micro-budget filmmakers are like, let's, you know, let's write to our resources. Let's write in this, like, maybe there's like the, you know, disheveled cabin in the woods, but you're like, no, yeah. we have a, I'm sure you've heard this question before. We have like a chateau in France we have access to. So how did you access this castle? Let's go. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, cause I, I've been kind of hammering home with Oliver that idea of like, come on, man, we've got between us, we've got to have the resources that we need and the experience to, to make something. And at some point he said, well, you know, my friend, uh, has this chateau in Normandy. And I was like, you're kidding. Like, okay, we, okay, you know, let me stop you right there. Uh, there's gotta be something we can do with that. And um, yeah, I mean the, you know, it becomes, uh, like I said, it was kind of a risk once you decide to, to make that the, the key element of the movie. Um, and he sent me pictures and I was like, wow, this is beautiful and how great would it be to, to make something there. Um, and it did sort of speak to, you know, my interest in like Eric Romare films, which are often set mm -hmm. in places like that. And people go around talking a lot. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, it sort, of, it sort of captured my um, imagination a little bit in and of itself. And um, yeah, the funny thing is that the Chateau was the reason we started with this particular project and it's very specific to that place. But then as we were moving forward, we lost our access to the Chateau um, oh. because his friend, uh, yeah, they, it's, I don't want to go into too many details about it, but uh, the friend who owned the place was having a divorce and they decided, you know, they wanted some privacy and didn't really want a production happening there. So our, um, our access uh, disappeared and it was like at that point you know the script was already written and you had to find committed. another castle in Normandy to so <laughs> yeah after beginning with the idea of use only the available resources we had we then had to go and find another chateau in France he's in London so at least he's closer and I'm in the Bay Area um, not an easy thing to do but the thing is that Normandy is full of chateaus and um, as it turns out the place that we found which is from the same period and sort of built in the same style uh, was owned by uh, an English couple. So Oliver kind of hit it off with them. And he said, you know, we were planning to do this thing. And, you know, is there, I think they, they had rented it out for, uh, you know, as sort of uh, like a, a B and B kind of thing. And um, so he got in touch with them Europe, and said, you know, Europe can we so use different. your space? I know it really is. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was a bit, um, 
falling apart, but that you know, the original place was even more um, in disarray. And that was part of the, the original story. Um, but it was, it turned out great because, you know, the hosts were really lovely people and it was just so sweet to be with them and they really enjoyed it and they made food for us. And uh, we all sort of gathered around the piano and sang songs and, um, you know, they just really opened their, their space and their hearts to our production. And um, yeah, the, you know, we all, the whole crew got to uh, stay there, you know, either in the main building or in the, the sort of nearby um, buildings on the property. And it was, it helped because we were all able to sort of stay together and, and do wow. a project that way. Yeah. That's incredible. That's like, uh, yeah. cause it's really hard to get anyone to let you shoot anywhere. Um, yeah, let know, alone yeah. like let them stay at, at yeah. their place while they're living there and then for them to cook for you. <laughs> it's like yeah. kind of I mean, incredible. Not always. They, we also had a, you know, a food person, but. Um, right. I know. But, but yeah. just even that spirit, it's like, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Fine to find that kind of collaborator, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it, you know, we were kind of in a bubble because like we're in Normandy, it's a very uh, rural area and the place, the building itself and the buildings around it are sort of uh, far outside of everything. And, um, so yeah, it was like being in camp, which was kind of nice and um, sort of a weird uh, way to, to have your first feature come to pass because it kind of, I don't know, it might spoil me for future experiences. I mean, you know, I, like when I was younger, I worked as a PA on features and did other stuff. And um, I've, I've seen a little bit about, you know, different scales of production. Uh, but this was definitely a special experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, the movie is something that we're proud of and happy to have made, but also the experience of making it was definitely something really sweet. And uh, yeah, I treasure that. I kind of want to ask a little bit about the movie specifically, and I'm sorry, Liz, to no, don't ask give anything movie away. questions. Don't give anything away. <laughs> it's but it's just, it's kind of like, you know, like the, the, the whole thing about the genre that you decided to, to pick for your film yeah. Like you're saying it's kind of like a, a very hard to describe movie and like your synopsis doesn't really even describe what it is um, because what it is, if you just really described what it was, you'd kind of be ruining part of the magic of the movie well, in a way. Yeah. Um, Don't ruin the magic, Ulrich. Yeah. No, I mean, thank I, you for suggesting that there is in fact magic. There is magic, I think. Yeah. And because and like, especially the way that you tell the story and the way that the story unfolds and, and the way that you pull us along through, um, I, I don't really want to, should we ruin it, Jonathan? Or like to say no, spoiler, we've spoiler. we said it three times. We're not okay, ruining no, it. Okay, we're not ruining it. <laughs> Anyways. So, it's an experiential uh, narrative, I would say. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of a hangout movie, you know, and if you don't hang out with it, you, you won't. But, but it has this other extra element to it, which makes it extremely engaging. So I, I, I but anyways, the point is like, did you always want to make movies like this or like, where is your heart you genre wise? Yeah. Like wh where did you want to go? And, and it, it almost sounds like this movie told you what it wanted to be as far as genre. Like you had these other ideas of like horror and like a war movie yeah. or whatever, but then like, it's like, right. you just went towards this direction. It's just like, it's I, kind of a unique direction to go in is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting. I think I understand what you're getting at. We're sort of dancing around. There's a structural element of the movie that is uh, sort of unusual, although increasingly less unusual from what I've been seeing lately. But I'll just say this, yeah. that um, at the time, you know, when I was conceiving it, I was thinking about movies like, um, Abbas Kuristami's film Certified Copy. I was thinking about uh, the movies of Hong Sang-soo, who is uh, a very prolific South Korean director who makes these really wonderful, charming films that um, are often very simple in terms of, uh, 
you know, very few characters and there's just a lot of hanging out and chatting, but there's sort of structural uh, twists to those films that I like. And I remember thinking at one point, um, I sort of, we've, as we've pre presented the movie at festivals, I've been, you know, sort of telling an old joke about how like we're so frugal with this thing that we even, you know, recycled our own scenes in the movie. And so there is an aspect of the structure of it that that is about that, where it's like, okay, we are really trying to do the minimal, you know, uh, scenario here where the, the overhead to make, to get this thing made is as low as possible. And one way to do that, especially if you've only got two characters, um, is a way, is a structural way with the narrative. Right. So um, right. that was something that I was thinking about. And it also, you know, it, that made sense to me sort of organically with regard to uh, the inspiration of Fontenelle's book. Um, and yeah, I recognize that as I'm saying all this stuff, you know, people listening to the podcast will be like, what the hell is he? They yeah, have to see, see the movie. More. I'm sitting here yeah. being like, I want to watch yeah. it now. <laughs> well, please do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, as you're, as you're able to, I understand that, uh, you know, everyone's busy. I also, just think like you know compared to your your average indie drama or indie ro i don't even know what you genre you'd put it into like i guess indie romance drama maybe um yeah but like it's it's got this whole like chateau backdrop which is so unique like most yeah. movies are set in towns or cities or houses they're not right. set in like this beautiful you know magical place basically yeah. um which is what it looked like you know from as a viewer so it's like i think like even just that like you have another angle up a leg up on on other films just because of the visuals alone you know yeah, let I alone mean, the so. structure you know right i hope that people respond to that oh yeah another thing i was just like kind of getting at is like like we have three filmmakers here in this conversation like if each of us had that resource um, you know, if Liz and I had our, our own version of that chateau to go after or whatever, yeah. we would have made completely different movies. I know, you know? and that's and fascinating. Like, yeah. And I just think it's really interesting that like that's the direction that you went in, and yeah. it's like what felt right to you, and then it's like how this movie was born. It's really, I don't know, it's really interesting to me. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I um, it, it does feel, you know, as I said early on, I think when trying to kind of persuade Oliver to go along with it, I. I sort of recognized like, well, yeah, of the list of the ideas that we could do, this one is the most sort of idiosyncratic and it's the one that I respond to. And so, um, yeah, I'm very grateful that he, I mean, he and I have known each other for a long time. I'm very grateful that he uh, sort of saw the promise of that and responded to it. And yeah, then it became uh, a collaboration, which of course every project needs to be. Um, and then, you know, yeah, it, it couldn't, I couldn't have directed this movie. I mean, I'm very glad that uh, he did it, if only for that reason, you know, just to be able to be on the set with a group of people, including a friend who is also an experienced director and uh, to kind of shadow him a little bit um, and see how the nuts and bolts work of uh, realizing this sort of idiosyncratic and personal project. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting what you say, because I, I am curious to think about that. That's an interesting exercise to imagine, like what would, if you gave other filmmakers the same sort of basic resources, you know, what would they come up with? And yeah, clearly very different things. And that's well, exciting to think about. You're kind of um, 
you provided a great segue for my question, which is that you are a director, um, but you happen to write this script and you were saying that you couldn't have directed this, which I'm taking it back by and I, I'm not going to press on that because this is not therapy, but like, okay. um, and we always talk about things yeah. like that. Um, we talk about imposter syndrome a lot, but like, oh, yeah. can you talk a little bit about, um, about the relationship with Oliver, what your boundaries were as a creative force in this project and also why, um, why he directed it why you know do you want to direct the next project can you uh it's a lot of questions but maybe yeah, somewhere yeah, in yeah. there pick pick something um yeah i mean you know i um i felt like we had uh years prior to this you know we had uh got back in touch and um had sort of decided to to do something together and so that that idea that it would be something i write that he directs um existed even before this project. I mean, there was another script, as I said, and um, which didn't happen. Um, and it was, you know, that was very frustrating because it, you know, you spend years and you, you don't, it doesn't materialize. And then in retrospect, I look back on that other project now and, you know, it could work as a writing sample, but I feel like the, the, the movie itself is, is sort of dated because it's of the time that it was written. Um, so I, it, I can imagine that it wouldn't, you know, it's not something to revisit necessarily. Um, but the experience of going through a script, you know, saying like, I'm going to hand this off to you or, you know, we're going to work on this together, however you want to frame it, um, is, is important. And it's, it's important to sort of get out of your own head sometimes. And for me, I like the solitude of writing, but then I get to a point where I feel lonely and I want to be with other people who can solve problems and with a fresh eye or who can, you know, sort of, uh, check me on my indulgences or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, there was the idea that, it, you know, I would come up with something that Oliver could direct. That was always sort of part of the challenge too. Like, okay, well, the, I have, I'm, I'm limiting the, the variables so that um, if you take away, you know, so many different possibilities and then you line it up so that it has to check off a few boxes, then it's sort of like, it makes it easier in a way because you're like, all right, well, now we're, um, it can only be this, so we'll do it this way. Um, it's a very perverse, yeah, we, we should, maybe there's some therapy should be involved at another time, but um, it's a very perverse <laughs> thing. But yeah, you know, you, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it was always part of it. It was always part of the package. And, um, you know, he um, had directed a lot, he had made some shorts and he had done a lot of TV uh, in the UK and um, had been sort of yearning to do a feature. And I think, you know, he, he has experience and expertise and just knowledge uh, of workflow stuff that I don't have. And I thought, well, you know, who else do I know that I could really hang out with for such a long period of time and just uh, watch and learn this stuff or at least be exposed to it in this way where it's also my project um, and our project, you know, and there's really nobody else like that. So that, that was very important. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, going even further back in time, you know, when we were film students together, I was an undergrad and he was a grad student and, you know, being in his thesis film, um, at that time, I remember, because we were shooting it the summer after my freshman year of college, I think it was. And at that time, I wasn't sure I was going to stay in that program. I wasn't sure I liked it a lot. I was thinking about transferring to a different school. But then doing that project, you know, which was just the student thesis film that I think Oliver himself would tell you that he doesn't want anyone to watch anymore because, you know, it's from <laughs> the juvenilia. Um, but that experience was really uh, wonderful. And, um, you know, I feel really grateful to him for that because that uh, sort of relit the the flame for me to be interested in movies and I stayed there and then you know went on and did other things and 
you know, it's been a long windy road since then. But uh, yeah, so that that collaboration, it's it, like the movie itself, it's kind of unique and there's probably the only one of its kind, but um, yeah, we wouldn't be here without it. So it's, it's great. Do you think having gone through this process of making Around the Sun um, as a writer and a producer um, that you now feel that you have the confidence and the ambition to go and write and direct your, your next feature? Or do you feel like, oh, I like this way of working. Like I want to collaborate again with someone else. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to collaborate with lots of people. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, the confidence, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever quite have the confidence, but I feel like that's sort of okay. Like, you know, um, being in a place where you're unsure maybe is a little bit more fertile for me than, than being in a place where you think you know everything or something, you know, not that it's necessarily a binary <laughs> like that. Um, and yeah, Liz, you, you kind of asked about that too. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in the, um, I'm one of the residents in the SF films film house program. Yeah, this you year. are. Nice. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. And uh, I have to say that uh, it was uh, my application to that program was assisted by carefully listening to episodes of your podcast. So oh, thank you for awesome. that. Um, wow. And just hearing uh, guests that you've talked, that you've had on the show talking about their experiences. Um, but yeah, and that's great. And I, the, the plan for that was to, you know, to develop another project that I, I'm going to write and direct myself. And, um, you know, I, I, I certainly want to do that and intend to. The, the confidence question is sort of weird now because of the situation we're in with the pandemic and also just the political situation we're in right now, which we don't need to talk too much about. But it does make me sort of stop and think, well, is my project really necessary? Like, do people really, is this, is the, is the world, you know, waiting for this thing? I don't know. Right. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I have some caution about that and circumspection about that and um i don't know but i love the the feeling of being in production with people like i was saying before you know i like writing by myself but then you know i've i've had many years and other scripts that are just sort of sitting there on my hard drive and they don't exist as movies and that's that's okay it's good practice you learn things but um nothing beats the experience of being you know with a group of people ideally a small group i think where you're all really working on it together and um, you can sort of share the pride of, of making stuff. That, that um, is what I yearn for the most. Yeah. I'm going to commit a cardinal sin. I have a statement, not a question. Um, so I love what you said about how uncertainty is uh, more of a fertile ground for you. I think very often as creatives, we're being told, um, you know, either just pretend to be yeah. confident or um, that we should be <laughs> acting in a certain way. We should be acting yeah. like bosses or whatever. I recently got that feedback and I'm still no. like mulling it over in my mind. <laughs> um, but I think what, if I can interpret both mine and Ulrich's uh, nudging and Ulrich, if mm. you allow me to, I think it's also that like we receive like um, a lot of personal fulfillment being directors yeah. Yeah, like yeah. from that role. And we want that for other people if that's what they're, inclined to do mm -hmm. so it's like it's just that thought and so it, my question not statement for you to respond to, my statement not question for you to respond to is um 
who cares if the world, if you think the yeah. world doesn't want to receive something that may be yeah. personal or non-political or doesn't have to do with um, the massive <laughs> political people that we're in right, right now, right. because it should have to do with your personal catharsis too. It's no, just, absolutely. Like as a yeah. creator, you should make something, you know, to fulfill yeah. yourself. That's all. Sorry, but please, if you want to respond to that, feel free to. <laughs> I, uh, it's an interesting thought. I mean, of course, I think everybody who is a creative person has to at some point make a decision to uh, go forward with putting something into the world you know, for people to see. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, as I was saying before about Around the Sun, it's so quirky and so personal. And I even said to him, you know, like, I don't know if there's an audience for this, um, but there's something about the the difference between doing it and not doing it. And that um, the more, I do sort of put some stock in the idea that if the more personal and true to yourself you make it, the more universal it could become because somebody somewhere is going to respond to that aspect of it alone and that has happened i mean we've shown it at festivals and people have responded to it in, in really nice ways um and yeah i mean i do expect as it gets more uh distribution that there will be people who don't get it or can't stand it or have all kinds of negative things to say Fuck those but that guys. happens yeah i mean um and i also know that you know my model of make being a filmmaker is really has always been kind of modest in that way like well how could we do it in a way that's sort of intimate and maybe not classifiable as a genre but um has a certain something that people want to experience and maybe not you know a huge audience, but an audience that feels uh, seen by the work and uh, appreciates seeing it and how to do that in a sustainable way, which is a big question for everybody. Um, yeah, I'm still sort of grappling with that. I, I definitely want to make more work. And um, yeah, there's, you know, in addition to the feature project that is sort of the, the core of my film house residency, there's other shorts and things that are also very personal and you know, I'm thinking about like trying to do some animation stuff that I could uh, show to my kids or that my kids could be involved with, you know, trying to figure out how to make film and cinema kind of part of your life is is really the bigger goal. And there's a lot of ways to do that. And um, I feel like in some ways now it's, uh, you know, it's better than it's ever been in that regard. Um, there's still challenges, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, the idea that it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, like I've been, it's been such a long time since film school. I worked as a critic for a while. I didn't do film stuff for a while. And you sort of let go of this idea of like, oh, here's the path that you have to take. And, um, and that is kind of nice, um, even if it means that you're <laughs> toiling in obscurity for a long time. Um, but if you're doing that with, you know, cool, creative people who, uh, you know, and you, you're, you're part of a community of people who make stuff and who watch stuff, then that's amazing. So yeah, let's hoping for the best. I just want to speak to the whole like, you know, why me as a writer director sort of question that we've yeah. discussing. It's like, to me, it's all about the story, right? And like mm -hmm. the idea. And if that idea or story feels like it needs to exist as a movie or like it's something that's really important either to you or just something that you haven't seen before that you really want to see made. And then the second half of it is like, am I the right person to direct this movie because I have an idea to how to kind of make it a certain way that no one else is going to think of. Right. Yeah. And, and like, I think about that a lot because I'm a producer too. Like I've, I've, mm -hmm. you know, I just produced my first feature as a producer. I'm not a director uh, in February. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about like how, Oh, thank you. Um, 
you know, like why I did that movie and like yeah. why there was never a conflict with, with me as like, Oh, Oh, I should really direct this movie. It's because you read it and, and you know, the director and you're like, Oh, this is this person's movie. Like they're the one to direct this movie for various reasons. Like, and, and if I were to try, like I probably wouldn't do it justice the way that this person will. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. I just think it's all story related and it's, it's really like, you know, like we like Timothy, my old co-host, we talked about this a lot. It's like, what's what movie deserves to be made right and like you have to have like to make a feature it's like such a huge undertaking and such a, a difficult thing to achieve it's like you really need to have the idea that you believe in more than anything because that's yeah. the thing that will drive you to finish it yeah. you know and i know like this whole political time we're in it's like yes like what movies should we be making like what's important um but you know i think like there's always room for entertainment. And like, as a kid growing up watching movies, no matter how bad things are going in my personal life as a kid or, you know, whatever bullies at school or whatever it was, like movies are always a thing I could fall back on. And if I can make yeah. one more movie that does that for a kid or for somebody else and some, then it's like, that's an achieve, that's a, you know, that's worth it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which speaks to what you said about Around the Sun. It's like, you made this movie that was important to you and you're finding that other people are finding it important too. And I think that's another key element of making films like you don't want to service an audience you want to service yourself first and then like a lot of other people will relate to that if you like <laughs> yes. are true to the your personal spirit is universal yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like uh, yeah put your own oxygen mask on first before putting it on the, the people next to you or the kids yeah Abs absolutely um, yeah in, in case <laughs> if, if we can make the analogy that we're in some sort of airplane disaster um if that's what movie making is like yeah that's uh, something like that but yeah it's sometimes it, sometimes it feels that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, let's talk about some of the release plans for Around the Sun, because yeah. I know that we share a distributor yeah, and I yeah. want to talk a little bit about that. And okay. um, also <laughs> about your relationship with critics and how you've been able to get coverage on the film. Yeah. So have you been taking on that mantle yes. of publicity? Yes. Tell us tell us how you got it done. Well, it's interesting. I worked uh, as a critic uh, for, for years, you know, mostly as a freelancer, but now and then on the staffs of different publications, <laughs> all of which have died. Um, it's a strange time in journalism. It's a strange time everywhere. And, um, you know, I'm part of the, um, the official name is now the San Francisco Bay Area Film Critics Circle. Um, mm. I'm part of that group of critics and it's a pretty big group at this point. Uh, some of those critics I know personally and um, are really lovely people. And so I thought, okay, well, I, you know, I have the, ex the experience and some advantage of being on the receiving end of press releases about new movies. So I know a little bit about how that uh, wheel turns. And I, and we don't have a lot of money for around the sun. So I thought, well, okay, let me, you know, sort of take that on and see, see what I can do in terms of publicity. Um, and it's, you know, it's definitely a hustle. Like you, uh, I think, you know, people talk about this a lot and, but maybe don't quite understand it, but yeah, it really, um, it requires constant attention to try to get people to see the movie and to cover it and to try to figure out, um, when is the right time for them to do that. And, it's a little bit awkward for me because, you know, the people that I know who, uh, fellow critics that I know, you know, you feel, I still feel kind of cringy, like, okay, well, I've made a movie now and, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to dish it out, you should take it. So like, you want to check it out and maybe <laughs> review it. And, you know, if there's, if they feel weird about it, I totally understand, but you still sort of have to ask, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been a sort of slow, steady, uh, process of getting critics involved as we went to different festivals and uh, timing 
some reviews with that. And then those reviews kind of build up as you go through the festival tour. And now, you know, yeah, our release is on August 4th. Um, and you're 100% fresh right now. As we, we're, last yeah, night, we I happen think. to be 100% fresh. We have five reviews. And um, yeah, I mean, That's a couple great. of them are from from people I know. And, you know, I, you hear people say things like, oh, well, if you're 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, then if you get more reviews, then that, you know, that percentage might go down. And then like that little, whatever your rating is on Rotten Tomatoes might follow you around on different platforms when people see about the movie. So, it does. you know, you could be, yeah. <laughs> it so it's like, are you, <laughs> are you going to be self-conscious about that? And so there's this question of like, how many reviews do you actually want? Um, and how much also the function of how, how the question of how much reviews matter in terms of people reading about it and seeing it. And that's sort of hard to get good data on, I think. You know, it's also the sort of a word of mouth thing. And, you know, how do you, how do you work with that? The ideas that we've had about that have changed even uh, during the course of the post-production and festival run and release of the movie. So, you know, we're, um, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like trying to herd cats or something. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the, the good, the, the nice things that some people have said about it and people who sort of perceive it for what it is and uh, acknowledge it as such, which is, you know, not a glossy uh, high concept blockbuster, um, but a, <laughs> you know, a quirky little art film. I feel some degree of responsibility to do everything I can to try to get the publicity that we need for it. And that, you know, that's a challenge, but it's also part of I, taking ownership of the movie um, or at least, you know, my, my share of the ownership of the movie. Yeah, it's been an education. I think that, you know, also critics, um, you know, I'm not really a critic anymore. I just wrote something recently for the first time in a long time. And it made me realize, like, it's been a while since I've been writing film commentary. And I miss it, but I'm also, it's really hard. Like, people are losing their jobs and freelancers are not getting paid enough. And there's all kinds of issues. And yeah, with with two young kids, it's very hard to have time to concentrate even though the thing that I last wrote was about movies for little kids so I think yeah it's like the more narrow band of possibility um so I I also recognize what it's like to be a critic and to have someone you know say hey I made a movie can you check it out and can you, you know and there's it's a it's pressure to some extent um so yeah I'm, I'm grateful for what we've got so far but you think they'd be honest right like if they didn't like the movie that they would give you an honest fair review. yeah yeah i mean i you know um yeah i think that the coverage that we've had so far has been generally positive but you know there yeah there are people who i think are honest about how they respond and that's kind of why i like them as critics and as people and um yeah that's kind of what you hope for in this case like you're thinking about the audience and people who haven't heard of you haven't heard of your movie have presumably a million uh, streaming options that they can choose from at any given moment and uh, and might have the same issues that I have, which are like, yeah, we have two little kids and there's only a tiny narrow window of time during the day when we might actually be watching a film. One good thing about Around the Sun is that it's only 79 minutes long. So, you know, we're very considerate in that regard, but you, know, you have to sort of bear in mind what the audience's needs or desires are and hope hope for the best. And what are the general plans for the release of the film? So now it's going to be on Apple TV and Prime Video on August 4th. And then I'm not sure how long that window is going to be, but then there's going to be sort of a further outreach to other VOD platforms, which Oliver has worked out with Giant Pictures, our distributor. Your what? Distributor. Giant? Yeah. Giant Pictures? I've never yeah. heard of them <laughs> yes. before. They're, they're, they're giant. Yeah, I think, you know, the, part of the, the plan is to see kind of how it does with these, these first two. And yeah, I shouldn't actually, in addition to, to Prime Video and Apple TV, there'll be other sort of on-demand options. Yeah, like through t- TVs and stuff like cable. Yeah, providers. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I will be 
sort of curious to see how it goes and um, to see what kind of um, feedback we get um, because it is useful. We're talking a bit about uh, having some kind of virtual theatrical presence as well. Um, I've been ah. happy and lucky and delighted to be involved uh, with the Roxy Theater in San Francisco um, uh. recently and we've been talking to them about, you know, arranging it as one of the films that they show in their virtual cinema space. And we've talked to other, or are beginning to talk to other uh, theaters around the U.S. and maybe Canada um, to do that as well. Trying to figure out how to kind of time that with, you know, the, the VOD release. Um, I like the idea that we could have a system where people could support little art house theaters in addition to seeing the movie, you know, as opposed to like just watching it on Prime. Um, and that, you know, hopefully it, uh, because not everybody has Prime video. Um, and also hopefully, yeah, that it might serve as a kind of marketing boost, um, word of mouth wise. But I don't know, it's hard to keep track of all this stuff, you know, like, um, especially with, yeah, with regard to the, the weird way that theatrical, virtual theatrical exists in this pandemic world. Um, and, you know, again, also the thing about like sending out press releases and asking people to check it out. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, there's a lot going on in people's lives right now. And um, to ask them to, uh, to make some time and in some cases spend some money on this thing, is, it's a not insignificant thing to be asking. I mean, to some extent, the movie is, I think, can serve pretty well as a diversion from everything that's happening in the world. So maybe oh, it, it could be useful that way. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange time. And um, I think we're going to sort of try to stay as nimble as possible and see what happens when we release it um, through Apple and, and Amazon at first, and then hopefully be able to expand um, thereafter. What's the marketing plan? Like, are you, is Giant Pictures, are they like, do they have like a marketing push they're going to do for the film? Or are you handling the marketing on your end? Like, what's the Plan. Yeah, good question. I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to talk about this, um, but there's really, it, uh, from our experience with, with Giant, um, Liz's might be different. Um, it's really, there's really not a lot of marketing. Um, they're not marketers. Yeah, they're, it's not I mean, what they're they basically do. an aggregator, yeah. but they do yeah. pitches and they're actually successful pitches because yeah. they have a small mm. slate. Yeah, they establish these kind of relationships with the platforms. And so the platforms, uh, you know, they get a, a kind of preferential involvement. Uh, sometimes from what I understand. So yeah, the marketing is really up to us and we, yeah, we'll keep going. I mean, I think that um, some degree of social media outreach is logical if we can sort of figure out, uh, I don't know, whatever kind of demographic tools you have, like from Facebook and Instagram to think of, you know, people who might be interested in it, um, which is weirdly presumptuous, but then, you know, you're sort of casting it out and seeing if people are interested and you can, right. Uh, if you you know if you really analyze some of that data, um, you can customize it presumably. Um, what would know, the I audience do... buckets be? Would it be like fans of My Night at Mods and Last Year at Marion Bad? Would yeah, it be yeah. Like... I mean, you know, that's one of them, of course. Definitely, you know, people have mentioned the before trilogy, um, and uh, you know, which on the one hand, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like you know, classic genius link letter magic and um you know that sets a pretty high standard but of course you know it's an influence on the movie and um there's a there's a vibe that um is part of the the dna of what we've done which is different of course because it's these two english people and they're in france and 
it's, you know, the weird sort of cosmological stuff. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. And, you know, I think people who are interested in romantic movies and people who are interested in um, minimal scenarios, uh, I think that uh, I've seen it in the Apple listing, I've seen it described as both romance and fantasy. And um, that was, you know, those are categories that they assigned to it. Um, Speed of and, life you know, is there too. Romance, yeah, okay. fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. And I, um, you know, yeah, as for me, it's like, as long as people don't go into it thinking it's going to be, you know, whatever some example of some really high concept fantasy movie is, um, and then wind up thinking like, oh, this is, you know, much more uh, smaller scale than that. Um, so yeah, getting people to kind of understand and try to manage expectations as much as you can. But on the other hand, you know, it's a movie that you sort of discover as you watch. So um, that's the risk right. that we take when we put it out which, there. Which is what I love about it. And I, I love that, like, you can't really synopsize it too much without ruining yeah. it. Because I think that's like some of the best kind of filmmaking where it's like, you really just have to go see this movie in order to experience yeah. it, you know? Yeah, that's nice. I, uh, yeah, I hope people do. So, but yeah, the marketing, you know, it really will be me just kind of seeing where the action is and trying to customize it. And then, you know, trying to get more reviews and using social media as much as we can and um, asking friends and people who are involved with the production to let their networks know about it. And um, maybe uh, asking Liz for tips as I've been doing for probably years now. Um, <laughs> and sort of, yeah, looking at other, other films that uh, are sort of in similar spaces and kind of trying to emulate what seems to work for them and, um, yeah, I do feel like there's a, a lot of invention, like you're making it up as you go along. And it all is part of the package of making movies in this sort of indie way, um, which I'm, I'm okay with, you know, that's, uh, it's a privilege to do it. So yeah. So when this podcast comes out, your film will be released or it'll be coming out like the day after or whatever. So if you're listening to this, go watch Around the Sun now and just Please do it. Do. Yeah, yeah it's only 79 it. minutes of your life. It's not that big, <laughs> it's not only that big of a 79 minutes of your life. Yeah, or maybe more if it stays and, with you and you think about and it. And I guarantee ah. you're going to smile at, at least like, you know, I don't know, probably 10 to 20 times watching the movie. So oh, yeah, it'll nice. be worth it. Can I uh, write that down and use it that's as a That's a really good sure. pull quote, yeah. Rick, yeah, Please. That you just nice pulled out of your butt. I would be honored. Yeah, it would be my first yeah. pull quote ever for pull me. Quote. <laughs> Pulled quote pulled from his butt. Yes, uh, that's very nice. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm glad that it makes you smile because that's. Oh that's no. Part of what we're going for. Yeah. And and also just as like a genre fan, I think like without ruining anything, like I think those yeah. elements of it were really surprising. And then the the third act reveal was like. All right, sorry. Well, we're moving on. We're moving on to the final okay. five questions. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> So, Jonathan, we end the show with kind of some big picture look at your career, yeah. yourself. Um, so what's the first film you ever made and how do you feel about it now? Uh, I think the first one I made was a movie that I made with my friend, my best friend, Ed Dunn, called Feud. And it was a 16 millimeter black and white film made on one roll of film, edited in camera. Um, sort of a weird scatological movie about a guy uh, grappling with his plumbing. And um, we shot that in Boston in our tiny little apartment. And I feel great about it. It was sort of done in a style of Eisenstein and uh, with uh, Shostakovich soundtrack and really weird and um, this is delirious. like the most like highbrow show we've I've ever done <laughs> yeah. at making yeah. pieces of art. Yeah, well, this particular movie was uh, was not highbrow at all, except it except for that 
the, your the references soundtrack. are. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's about a guy having some uh, digestive issues. Uh, very scatological. But I, I, you know, it was the spirit of that thing was so great. We were just like, let's just do something, and it came out great. Um, I haven't watched it for a while, but I loved it. Yeah. What's the best filmmaking advice you've ever received? I think the advice to trust your voice, which is something that was said to me by a teacher, Stephen Geller, who is also the screenwriter of the screen adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five, which is an incredible movie, and I recommend it to everybody. Of course, Vonnegut um, comes up now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, Vonnegut's an influence too. Um, and yeah, Steve Geller, who was a great teacher, and um, you know, it's been years since um, I've talked to him, but yeah, he was uh, one of the things that I remember him saying a lot was trust your voice. And, it, and you know, when you're a young person, um, that's important to hear. And when you're an older person, that's important to remember because uh, that's, you know, your voice is the one that's in your head all the time. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it says things that are unpleasant. But the idea is that uh, that's what makes you you. And that if you second guess it too much, then, you know, you're not really helping yourself or, or anyone else. Yeah. Trust your voice. Uh, do you have a goal as a filmmaker? My goal is to to make more work and to be more involved with other creative people whose spirits I like and to do that as regularly as possible. I mean, you know, Around the Sun, as I said, was deliberately designed to be streamlined in every possible way. And it still took such a long time to get even to this point. Um, and, uh, you know, to some extent that's because it's the first one for me and for Oliver, the first feature really. There's of course many reasons that anything can take forever, but yeah, I, I like that idea of streamlining it because I, I want to, I want to be making stuff instead of worrying about making stuff or instead of thinking about it or instead of planning to do it, you know, um, it's obviously hard right now for a lot of reasons. And, uh, yeah, to, the goal is to be making stuff constantly and to be, yeah, part of the community, um, which includes your community. So thank you again for having me on. Yeah, well, I mean, you're also part of the uh, the San Francisco film community. I mean, as a critic, and I'm also now as like a resident, you know, and as a filmmaker in general. So it's like, yeah. And now that making movies is hard community, which I think is like, you know, even a wider community than that, which is awesome. I love the I love the little spots you've been doing where you get people to talk about their experiences and just these little clips. And they're amazing. It's and it's Liz. just so... Liz, well, yeah, well, congrats. Um, and thank you for doing that. You know, it's very inspiring to hear people. And I'm always like, oh, I should uh, Google that person and figure out who they are. Because, you know, you hear these, you, you get a sense of the industry changing and you get a sense of a lot of really passionate uh, creative people out there doing it or figuring out how to do it and doing it together. And um, yeah, it's much more inspiring than the the big picture outlook that I had you know ten years ago even and um, so that's very exciting and yeah thank you for doing that our pleasure if you could go back in time what's the one piece of advice you would give yourself oh yeah good question I I would say you think this is bad wait till you meet twenty twenty um, <laughs> no I I don't know I mean that's kind of the glib answer yeah I mean you know maybe that thing about I said before you know the advice to trust your voice I would say no seriously you know don't try to fit yourself into some box because it's going to be an awkward fit and you're going to know it's awkward. And then everyone else will kind of know that it is, or at least they're, they're going to know that you feel awkward. And then that, that doesn't work. And yeah, just sort of hang in there. I think everything counts. Experience counts. And uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, be good to the people you love, basic stuff, you know, cheesy stuff, platitudes. 
Nice. But good to remember. That was you said you asked for one. I gave you several. That's Sorry. okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no yeah. rules. Yeah. Um, our last question is making movies hard. No, it's getting them seen. That's hard. Uh, no, I don't know. It's yeah, it's of course, of course, it's hard. I think it's weird because there's so many of them now that you're like, well, obviously, it can't be that hard. Um, because look at them all and I'm trying to fight for attention. But yeah, I think it can always be hard. And the way to get through that is to surround yourself with uh, the best people and to keep going forward. Amazing. Awesome. John, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. I'm honored and uh, it's nice to chat with you guys. So where should people go if they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. I want to watch all his work. Where, where should people head? <laughs> In the unlikely event that that happens, they should go probably <laughs> to aroundthesunfilm.com. And that's the website of the movie. And uh, that will have links to where you can see it. And um, you can find me there and you can find Oliver there. And uh, drop us a line if you want. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Jonathan Kiefer for being on the show to talk about his work and of course, Around the Sun, which is another kind of weird, fun movie, which I encourage people to watch. Yeah. The, the first like five minutes or so, I was like, what is going on? And then you're like, oh, interesting. I will watch more because it just, you know, flipped the script on me. So yeah, uh, definitely check that movie out. Um, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about in this episode, including Jonathan's work, um, and then anything that we talked about in the segments that are important, probably the list of episodes that we gave, you know, that people can um, actually go and listen to. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. You can ask us questions. You can rant about things. And we might even read it on the show because we always need to talk about stuff that people send in because we have a whole segment about it called You've Got Mail. So because we want to. Because we want to. We want to. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you have a chance of like being famous for like five seconds if you write us an email because we will talk about it on the show. And even if we don't read the whole email, we'll probably even just mention it like, oh, we got this email from this person. So weird. Anyways. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MMIH Podcast. I am RFB on Twitter and Instagram. And Liz, where can people find you? I'm Liz Manischel on Twitter and Liz Manischel Film on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I don't think we said this yet, but you can also leave a review on iTunes, which we've been, like, so blessed to get so many reviews lately. I feel so lucky that people are doing that. Um, but we want more. We need more. more. I, I want to crush Just Shoot It. I love Just Shoot It. It's my favorite filmmaking podcast, really. I, those guys are great. But uh, they have like 200 and something ratings and we have like 180. And I'm like, dude, like we need to like take them over. I want to get to like 250 or 300. Come on now. Like we've been around about actually the same time, but we have way more episodes than they do. So uh, <laughs> chop chop. Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. I'm so grateful for any review, um, you know, Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's about it for this episode. And we will talk to you guys next week. Ulrich, what should people do if they want to support the film? The Ulrich, film? what should people do? <laughs> oh, God. Which Where? film? All so of many. the films. The films <laughs> of our lives. <laughs>